It was a long day, tiring day, a laborious day in the life of Jesus. He'd been very busy going about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. God was with him. And the scripture tells us that there were conversions that took place very early when Jesus launched his earthly ministry. It was a situation, ordinary day, very busy day. There were fishermen that were, the Bible said, mending their nets and washing their nets. I preached a sermon one time about mending your net that is connected to what Jesus says to these disciples. He said, uh, what are you guys doing? Have you any meat? And they said, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nothing. Jesus said, well, then if you'll let your net down deep, then you will be successful. And they did that. They said, well, we've done this all night. You need to be reminded we're fishermen and uh, you're not a fisherman. And we're fishermen. We do this for a living. We probably know more about this than anybody else knows. Hmm. And then they said, but at thy word, we're going to try this. Thank God fishermen are adventurous beings, aren't they? They kind of won't give up on a place. They'll go back to it time and time again and still catch nothing. And the Bible said they let their nets down deep and caught so many fish that the nets began to break. Wow. And Jesus said this to them, from henceforth you will catch men. From henceforth you will catch men. Boy, what a challenge to some ragtag disciples, fishermen, from a little fishing village on the north side of the Sea of Galilee and to challenge them to become ambassadors, to become servants of God, to catch men. Every one of us in this house have a cross to bear. Oh, you talk about the burdens that we bear, but burden-bearing is one thing, cross-bearing is another. Burden-bearing is getting through all of those things that happen to us in life, like COVID, like the, an accident on the highway that takes the life of one of our relatives, like a loss of a job, like all the things that is common to the life that we live. And everybody, the Bible said, must bear his own burden. In other words, I can't live your life for you. And I can't do the things that God expects of you for you or in your state. I can't be a surrogate servant, in other words. you got to serve the Lord and do his will for your life and your life only. Amen. So in that pursuit of doing God's will for our life, we're, we're on a, a journey, as it were. A, a journey to apprehend that for which we have been apprehended or to catch hold of that which has caught hold of us. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? And that's the way the Apostle Paul put that, that whole matter. In other words, if we're going to be servants and we're going to be people of righteousness, if we're going to be people in the family of God, we've got to get a hold of this thing of being caught. For you see, at one time, every one of you 
were fish to be caught. You were people to be caught. And somehow that gospel net was cast in your direction and you were engulfed in the net of God's grace and God's forgiveness and God's righteousness. So then everyone that is seated in this building, at one time you were a fish to be caught. You were a person to be enlisted. You were a, a, a person that was in waiting for the gift of God that brings salvation, the gift of the gospel of the Lord Jesus to be preached because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's intentional on the part of God that we preach in a message like this. And the Bible said, how shall people hear except God sends preachers? And how shall they be sent unless the church sends people to preach the gospel? Now, that's the New Testament plan of growth and evangelism. Amen. And every one of us are the happy recipients of the gift of God's grace in that we have been snared in that net of divine providence and brought into the family of God. Now, that, that idea of being caught is, is a beautiful idea. We've got a little critter at our house that we can't catch. He is so fast, he get away from you every time. I've bought traps that have caught the most sophisticated. I can catch squirrels in that cap, trap. I can put some nuts in that trap. And this little fella can tiptoe around that trigger so good that he can eat the nut and get away with it. In fact, he even knows which pill is poison. He will eat the one that is not poison and leave for me the ones that were poison. He is a smart character. He's fast. Buddy, he can get out from under you and get gone before you can turn around. Roger told me, or Gail one told me about a way to catch him. And I've tried that, and that didn't work. This is either a super intelligent chipmunk or the whole of chipmunkdom is really empowered with some kind of sixth sense. I just can't, and I thought, I wish people in my church were as good as that chipmunk. I wish people in my church were smart that would know what's poison and what's not poison, that would know there's a trap door somewhere and if you fool with that triggering device, you'll get trapped in this thing and you won't like what happens when you get trapped in this thing. And how he tiptoes around, I, I, I don't know. And he just appears at the oddest of times and then disappears he eats roots off of plants. He eats all kind of stuff and devours stuff. But he's smart enough not to eat what I put out there for him because he knows I put something in that that's going to be his demise. Would to God that you were smart enough that the devil couldn't catch you. Would to God that you were so attuned to the devices that you could recognize. The Bible said that the schemes and devices, we're not ignorant concerning Satan's devices. We know the traps. We know the bait. We know the whole 
thing, and still we fall for those stupid things. Amen. Sometimes we're not ignorant, but sometimes we act like we are. And just go on knowing that something bad's going to come of this, knowing there's a price to pay for this, knowing that in the end if we make bad choices and make poor decisions, then there's a price to be paid. Amen, 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 amen. And here's the beautiful thing about this. When Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, in Mark chapter 1 and verse 18, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. They straightway, didn't have to think about it anymore, didn't have to go get permission from mother-in-law. They just left their net and followed him. Can you, can you catch all that's in that sentence? Can you, can you get your mind around that? A whole life change. Family, home, friends, fishing, business with your father. Lord of mercy, they, all the things that they straightway left the nets and followed Jesus. And to follow Jesus, there has to be a leaving of nets. To follow Jesus... There's got to be trust and there's got to be obedience and submission to the will of God. To follow Jesus, there's got to be an all time for all places and all situations dependence upon him as Savior and as Lord. That's called trust. Trust in the Lord. Put your faith and your confidence in the Lord Jesus. Luke 5 and 11 says they brought their ships to land and forsook all and followed him. Whatever we're doing, put it aside and follow Jesus. And that's what taking up the cross means. It means that you become a bearer of the cross of salvation. That means it becomes our debt to every man, woman, boy, girl in our culture to share with them the message of the saving grace of Jesus. That's cross-bearing. Not burden-bearing. Burden-bearing is bearing up under those things that weight us down in life. And the Bible said they are common to all. They happen to everybody. Now, there's the biggest problem for most people. Why did this happen to me? Why does Sister Jerry not have this and I've got it? Why does this person do so well and I can't find two nickels to rub together? You see, the devil loves to use that trap of comparing yourself with somebody else. He loves to do that. You know, everybody loves that one that God blessing somebody he shouldn't be blessing. He'd have checked with me first. He wouldn't be blessing her. If he'd just uh, investigated a little bit, he wouldn't have wasted so much of his blessing on that one that don't deserve it. Boy, you've heard that before, haven't you? Oh, there was a, a prophet. He said, said, when I behold the wicked and how they prosper, 
When I look at the unrighteous and I see the disobedient and I, I see the rebellious and I, uh, I see the people that uh, don't love God, they're, they're, they're pagans and they're, they're lost idolaters and they just seem to just find blessings laying on every step they take. Why do the wicked prosper? That's a big problem for Christians. Really is. They really wrestle with it. One of the things you need to understand is things that you call treasure, God calls garbage. The thing you really call good money, God calls filthy lucre. The things you think are riches are not what God calls riches. The things that cause you to fuss over which is filthy lucre, as he calls it, is not, not worthy of the comparison between God's treasure. What does he mean when he said, lay up in store for yourself treasures in heaven? Not in BB&T or Regions or Metro or Wells Fargo, but lay them up in heaven. And he said, there's no rust up there and there's no worms to eat it up. There's no inflation to make it less than what it should be. But if you make an investment in heaven, you lay up in store for yourself treasures in heaven. He said, then there's a peace that comes to you. And, and the Bible said, I, Paul said, I have learned this. He didn't say it just happened to me when I got saved. He said, I've learned this. It, 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 it means I, I have come to this conclusion after examining much instances. I have learned that whatever state I'm in, and he's not talking about Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. That's not the state. He's talking about the condition of being. Wherever I find myself, at the funeral home or in the football stands, wherever I find myself, at the doctor's office, wherever I, or at the lawyer's office, wherever I find, whatever my state is, whatever my condition is, I have learned to be content. For godliness with contentment is great gain. Praise God. Talk about something being treasured, something be valuable. Peace of mind is a valuable thing in the economy of God. Contentment is a great thing in the economy of God. Grace, love, mercy, forgiveness, long-suffering, faith, patience, temperance, all of those things are what God calls treasures. Treasures. And the Bible tells us to go through our times of trial. Listen to what the Bible said in Romans 14. I know I'm off the script. Romans 14, it says, for the light affliction. Now, God, it may be light for you, but it's heavy for me. But the light affliction, how dare you call what I'm going through light? How dare you Consider light something I regard as very heavy. But the light affliction, he says, which is but for a moment. 
but for a moment. In other words, this it's not lasting. It's not going to always be. Like the verse says, it comes to pass. The light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us. Something is at work for you. Something is building something. Something is constructing. Something is very busily going about the spiritual person God wants you to be. The light affliction which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Good night. A weight of glory. The correct comparison would be that as you weigh a piece of gold. You mean God's treasure is the things that I go through? You mean that in my weakness that God receives glory out of my infirmities? Paul said, I glory in my own infirmities. For when I'm weak, then am I made strong. And listen to his testimony because he gets to a place in his life when a lot of people are trying to put down his apostleship. In fact, in one instance, there were people that came and questioned his apostleship. And he said to them these words, I bear in my own body the witness of my calling. Look at my back. Do you see those whip marks on my back? Thrice I received 40 stripes save one. I was beaten with rods on three different occasions. By bearing my body the marks of my apostleship. You see, when you serve the Lord, you go through a lot of stuff and you have some scars left over because it's healed up now, but it may leave a reminder, a reminder. But God says because of all that you've been through, it will be turned into an eternal weight of glory a future piece of gold. Wow. And that's the way God counts uh, riches and, and treasures. To be caught, there's a great book a few years back that's in my library for a long time, Chuck Swindoll, In His Grip. Strengthening Your Grip. Talks about a tennis player that has, to, has a problem and athletes with other things, golf as well. It's all about your grip. Don't let anybody fool you. It's all about your grip. For that book's purpose, he said, how you hold the instrument makes whether it's going to be successful or not. How you hold your faith is going to determine how successful you're going to be at becoming the person God wants you to be. When you become caught in his grasp, when you become caught in that awesomeness of God, when you get caught in that arena of faith by what God can do to people who believe, when you get to that place that miracles happen and miracles are probable, not just possible, but they're probable. You see, catching does not all 
always result in such a high and lofty goal, although there are many things God does for his kingdom that began when we ourselves were caught by God's grace. The disciples were caught in a storm. Paul was caught by the Jews in the temple and arrested. Paul was caught up to the third heaven. Peter was caught by the hand of Jesus when he started sinking. Abraham found a ram caught in the bush to become a sacrifice instead of Isaac. Joseph's garment was caught by Potiphar's wife. Samson caught 300 foxes and set a field of the Philistines on fire. Adoniah caught hold of the horns of the altar. Absalom was caught by the hair in the boughs of an oak tree. The demoniac of Gadara was caught by an unclean spirit. Philip was caught up in the spirit and joined to a chariot to witness to the eunuch. And thanks be to God, when you get caught up in God, that means that you are totally absorbed in living your life for the glory of God. When you get to the place that nothing can sway you, that nothing can move you. Oh, Paul said well, on one occasion, he said, said I, I've been threatened and fastings off, naked and in peril, beaten, stoned, left for dead. He said, but none of those things. None of those things. Somebody say none of those things. None of those things move me. Neither count I my de life dear unto myself that I might finish my course and the ministry of the Lord Jesus which was given to me by the grace of God. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. The things in my past didn't move me, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, but none of those predictions move me either. I've been through a many tears and sorrow. I've been through a many, many a thing, and it didn't move me. So whatever's in my future, it's not going to move me either. Lord, somebody needs to give God a little bit of praise for that. I've come too far to look back. Amen. I'm nearer home than I was yesterday. Wow, there's all kind of reason to rejoice that the hand of God is upon us and is blessing us. I'm trying to get back on the script. Philippians 3 and 10, you got that? Put it on your word. Put it on your lap. Open it up. Let's read what Paul's testimony was. To the Philippians in Philippians 3 and 10, for that I, I may that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Being made conformable to his death. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and I want to be conformed to him in the manner that he died. In other words, I want to be crucified to myself. As Paul said, I am crucified with Christ so that I can know him and be made conformable to his death. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection because all the future promises of God rest upon the power of his resurrection. Everything I expect God to do rests upon the power of his resurrection.
Everything God heals, blesses, delivers, fills with the Spirit, saves, sanctifies, all of those things are made possible because of his resurrection. For if Christ be not raised, Corinthians 15, if Christ be not raised, then we are false prophets of God because we have testified of God that God raised him up, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. And I love that 12th verse. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ's that is coming. I'm caught up by that. I'm caught up in that. I'm so caught up in that that I have decided I'll follow Jesus no matter what the economy does, no matter how far the dollar falls, no matter how food gets scarce, no matter what nuclear weapons gets announced by a rogue nation, I know in whom I have believed and I can trust the one whom I serve and I want my life to become formable to his death and I want to know him. I want to walk every day in the power of his resurrected life. Give God some praise. I want to know him in the power, fellowship of his sufferings. I want to fellowship with him in suffering, being made conformable to his death, if by many means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. By any means, I've got to make it. By any means, when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise first, then I've got to be in that number. I've got to make that crowd that gets up on that resurrection morning. I've got to be in that number. The Bible said, they that are asleep in the graves will hear his voice and they shall awake. I said, they shall awake. Glory to God, there used to be an old song we'd sing, when I wake up to sleep no more. Brother, one of these mornings in the by and by the Lord's going to say, all right, it's time, Gabriel, blow the horn. And the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And this corruption must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, no disease, no problem, no malady can move you from your position of faith if you'll just stay caught in the grip of the master, if you'll stay in his hand, stay in his grasp and remain to be caught up, caught up, caught up in what is God. Not as though, 12th verse, not as though I had already attained. He said, brethren, 
All of these things that I've talked to you about, serving the Lord and with a pure conscience, all of these things I've talked to you about, about being the apostle to the Gentiles, he said, all of these things is so that I, I can attain that, that blessing of God upon my life and be what he called me to do. Listen to this now. Either we're already perfect. He said, in other words, I've not, I've not reached that place of perfection. I'm still on my journey, and I'm still learning every day how to live for the Lord Jesus. Not as though I had already attained either. We're already perfect, but I follow. May not have all my ducks in a row, but I follow. I may not do what everybody thinks I ought to do, but I follow. I'm not winning in the poll for popular opinion, but I just follow after. Glory to God, somebody ought to be in the aisle, Randy. Glory to God, I just keep on following. No, I'm not what I want to be, and I'm certainly not what you want me to be. But thanks God, I'm not what I used to be. And thanks God, I'm on my way, and I'm following after. I'm in pursuit of God. I'm a God chaser. I'm a God chaser. I'm chasing after him. I'm trying to apprehend that. I'm trying to catch on and get to be a part if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended by Jesus. Those words, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after in that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended. Paul never took the position that he had arrived or that he had it made. He said, I'm still working on that. Our kids used to sing it, he's still working on me. He's still working on me. For some of us, he's got a lot of work to do. For some of us, his work on you stalled out somewhere along the line. And sometimes you find yourself sitting in a meeting like this and you wonder, how did I get like this? What happened? Somewhere along the way. I used to have joy. I used to love it when they sung those songs. Now I just take it or leave it. I used to love preaching. I used to love to hear the Word of God but I don't really get excited about it anymore. I don't, uh, what happened to me? How did I get here? You see, if you're not very careful, you'll get to a point, well, let me put it like this, you'll catch something else. The only reason you lose what you were caught up in is that you get caught up in something else. And you know what I've found, Ann, over the years? You usually catch what you're close to. I'm going to let that land. It's going to be a dull thud in just a minute when it lands. People usually catch whatever they catch from someone they're close to. 
Be careful what you catch. There are some things that swim that you don't need to catch. Anything that would cause you to lose your realization of being caught up in God is to your detriment and you need to run from it as fast as you can. Paul did not say, didn't say that I've reached this on my own. He didn't say I, I had a call of God that I, I just invented myself. He said, I follow after. I follow after a course of his life. It's not a primary importance that every Christian pursue a lot of worldly things. But it is the target and goal of every Christian to pursue after godliness and righteousness. Wow, that's good stuff. The word apprehend, you know I'm kind of, kind of an etymologist. I'll try to say it for you. Catalambano. And it means to lay hold of. To lay hold on so as to make one's own. This world will never satisfy that longing in your soul. You may search this wide world o'er, but you'll be just as before. You'll never find true satisfaction until you find the Lord for only Jesus can satisfy your soul. You see, you can look at all over this world trying to find something that will satisfy, something that will bring you peace, something that you'll feel confident in. But some of you up until this time in your life, you've never reached that place and never found that place. The anger that you've dealt with your whole life, you're still struggling and wrestling with today. The things that bothered you as a teenager, they've stayed with you all of your life. You've never learned how to unburden yourself and give it to God. You've never learned how to come to the cross of Calvary and get washed free and clean of all of those things that made life miserable for you. I'm preaching to somebody right now. It's all in the tense of these verbs. This tense of the verb where he said, I have not yet apprehended, is in the aorist active subjunctive tense. Now, what does that mean? That means something happened in my past that created an ongoing something in my present. Oh, okay. Now, what does that say to me? It says something happened on the road to Damascus that started me on a goal-seeking venture and I'm still on it today. In other words, you got saved and you started on a venture caught to be something that God ordained for you and God purposed for you. 
And I want to tell you, you'll never find true satisfaction until you find your purpose and do the purpose because no matter whatever else you're doing that's beneficial in the kingdom of God, unless it's what God purposed for you, then it's not a good work, but it's a commendable deed. Does that make any sense? If God called you to preach, don't step down to be a banker or a lawyer. If the Lord called you to be a missionary, don't step down to be the president of Transamerica. You mean stepping down from what God calls you to do is a step down? Anytime you take a step that is away from what God called you to be and do, it's a downward step. And there are so many that have never realized that. And if you get close enough to them for long enough, you'll catch it. I said you'll catch it. One of the best things you can do is when somebody starts contagioning you. Is that a word? Making you contagious also like they are? Hey, don't have none of that. I said, don't have none of that. Amen. When the Bible said shun that kind of thing, what it means is get away from that. Amen. Get away from that. And there are many wonderful, good people that the devil has over the years made life so unbearable and so miserable for them that others around them have that contagious thing. They catch it. There are people in my family that if you hang around them long enough, then you'll get to talking just like them. And you'd think God was a million miles away and a quadriplegic. Couldn't do anything and didn't, wasn't close enough to care. If you listen to that story long enough, hey, I don't want to listen to that story. I don't want to listen to that story. I don't want to listen to somebody that, that God doesn't care about me. God won't do this. God won't. I, I want to say, hey, you're wrong. And until you get right, don't talk to me about that no more. Don't talk to me about that no more. I, I really don't want to hear about that. I love you, and I'm concerned about you, but let's don't talk about that anymore. Amen. And don't let that contagion get a hold of you. Come on, Olivia, and help me quit. The NIV says it this. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Glory to God, I love that. But then he said, not only did I have an experience on the road to Damascus where I was changed and started on a journey of servitude to God, he said, that next word, apprehended, I'm trying to apprehend that for which I was apprehended. And the mood changes at this point. It, uh, it goes into another 
mood and it uses another tense of that verb and it shows continuous action and it shows future uh, activity. What does that mean? It's called aorist passive indicative. God called Paul and put him in the ministry with a plan to use him in many different ways. Paul wanted to know all God had in mind when he did this and the reason being Paul wanted to cooperate fully with God's purpose in his life and not work against it. Is that your attitude today? I want to cooperate with God fully in what he has purposed for my life. Is there anybody in this house that would say that? I want to cooperate fully with what God purposes for my life. And I don't want to do anything against it. Stand with me, please. I don't want to do anything against it. This book is full of good do's. Do. Love one another. Do. Pray without ceasing. Do. Confess your faults one to another. Oh, so many good do's. But the Bible doesn't omit the don'ts. It tells us a lot of things not to do. Now, I won't go into that list because you're in a pretty good mood right now. Now, I don't want to get you mad at me by telling you you shouldn't be doing some things. But there are some things that don't fit. You see, when you, when you get involved with something that goes the other way, then you take off your garment of praise and you put on a coat of self-sufficiency. When you start fighting against what God purposes and plans in your life you take off that garment of praise and that that meekness of an ornament spirit ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit when you when you take that off and you put on something that doesn't even resemble what God has purposed for your life just don't wear anything you ought not to wear and I'm not talking about clothes What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about the ornament, the things that we decorate our life with. God has decorative material to decorate your life. In fact, he said this word, I will beautify the meek with my salvation. Oh, blessed be God. Don't get that tunic of toxicity. Amen. Stay, stay sweet and stay, stay positive. Stay supportive of God's will for your life. Because in doing that, you will lay up in store for yourself treasures in heaven. And that journey is a journey that will end at that place. It will end at that place. That place where all is well. There's one more caught up. You ready for it? 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What a comfort that is to know that God's got a great tomorrow. That enables us to walk out into the cemetery and, and bury our dead because God's got a great tomorrow.
That helps us to think good things for the future because God has a great tomorrow. And in God's great tomorrow, all things are made right. Know ye not that the king of all the earth will do right. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be in your house today. Thank you for a good testimony from Jeff about your healing grace. Thank you, God, for the wonderful songs that were sung edifying the lordship of Jesus. Thank you for the anointing to preach this message and my way me leave your house determined to apprehend that for which we have been apprehended. Help us, O oh God, to catch hold of that which Jesus Christ caught hold of us. That's our prayer and dismissal in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 God bless you and God go with you is our prayer.